0: Listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's program is entitled Willing. Hello my radio friends, I'm pleased you've joined me today for another program in the series, Give Me the Bible. I hope you've enjoyed the programs thus far and that they are helping you to understand what the Bible says and have brought you closer to our lovely God who cares so very much for each and every one of us. In his book, David Copperfield, Charles Dickens tells a short story of what happened when David had to leave home and was being transported to a boys' school in a horse-drawn cart. When David was picked up from his home, his nanny, Miss Peggotty, was there to wave goodbye and see David off. The driver of the cart, Barkus, was an unmarried, middle-aged man, and although he never said a word to Miss Peggotty, he obviously liked her. On the way the driver spoke to David, and asked him to convey a message to Miss Peggotty the next time he saw her. The message was, Barkus is willin'. That's all. The upshot of this brief message was that Miss Peggotty and Barkus later married. Why? It was because Barkus announced that he was willing. You know, there's a difference between knowing and being willing. Many of us know that in different parts of the world People have been affected by disasters and have lost family members, their homes and most of their possessions. But when we are willing to help, that's a different matter. When knowledge turns to action, there is an act of the will, a decision. Knowledge implies no action. Willingness involves action. One of the most dramatic stories in the Bible where someone was willing involved a young lady. She was willing to do what needed to be done in very risky circumstances. Her willingness to act saved thousands of lives. Her name is Esther. The year was around 460 BC. Esther was a very pretty Jewish girl, an orphan. She was raised by her cousin Mordecai. At that time, Medo Persia was the most powerful kingdom on earth. The king, Xerxes, was also by the name, known by the name, Asahiris, and he ruled over 127 provinces, ranging from India to the upper Nile region of Egypt. The capital city was Susa. The king gave a great banquet for all the leading men in the kingdom, including military leaders, princes, nobles and officials. Now this was some banquet and it lasted for over a week. The king, probably under the influence of too much wine, was very boastful and wanted to show off his beautiful wife. So he ordered the queen, Vashti, to come to the banquet so all the guests could admire her beauty. But Vashti refused to obey the king's command, making the king look somewhat foolish in front of all the assembled guests. The king's advisers recommended that the king should get rid of Vashti as queen in order to teach her and all the other women in the empire a lesson. The advisers advised that there would be anarchy in the kingdom unless wives obeyed their husbands. The reasoning, they said, was if Queen Vashti could get away with disobeying her husband, women would use her as an example to disrespect their husbands as well. So Vashti was demoted and basically divorced. A new queen was to be chosen, and so a Miss Medo-Persia beauty contest was begun. All the most pretty young women in the whole kingdom were required to come to Susa, and after various beauty treatments, a selection process was begun. The selection process is described in the book of Esther, chapter 2 and verse 4. It says, Then let the girl who pleases the king be queen instead of Vashti. Esther was one of the girls selected to be one of the candidates, but she did not reveal her Jewish ethnicity. When Esther's turn came to go to the king, she won his heart. So the king set a royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. And you can read that from Esther chapter 2 and verse 17. The prime minister of the kingdom was a wealthy official named Haman. Because of his position, He was next in power to the king, and people would bow to him when he walked past them. That is, all bowed to him except Mordecai, Esther's cousin, who was a Jew. Of course, Haman was displeased that there was this person who refused to acknowledge him, so he made plans to get rid of Mordecai. The plan was to kill all the Jews in the kingdom, including, of course, Mordecai. Haman convinced the king that there were scattered throughout the kingdom certain people who had unusual customs and who were rebels and who should therefore be eliminated. Haman offered to finance the operation from his own money. The king, unaware of the real facts behind this all-too-easy plan, signed the document, putting it into law. A date was chosen. It would be the twelfth month when this genocide would be carried out. Hitler tried to kill all the Jews in Germany, and Haman because of his hatred for Mordecai, intended to kill all the Jews in the Medo-Persian kingdom in all 127 provinces. Mordecai found out about the plot, and he was deeply distressed, as you can imagine. When Esther was told about her uncle's distress, she sent trusted servants to Mordecai to find out what was going on. Now, just make a correction there. Uh, Mordecai was Esther's cousin, not uncle. Mordecai told the servants of Haman's genocide plot and also supplied, as proof, a copy of the edict that had been posted throughout the empire. Remember, Esther was also a Jew, but she had not revealed it to the king. If the edict was carried out, she too would be killed. Mordecai sent this message to Esther. You can read it for yourself in Esther chapter 4, verse 14. It says, For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's household will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to the royal position for such a time as this. Esther was the one person who could do something to save her people, but she was only young, and had none of the political intrigue that Haman had shown and you need to know that things were different back then to what they are in this day and age firstly there was the law of the Medes and Persians when a law had been made it could not be rescinded it was fixed and was not to be amended in any shape or form. Secondly, the queen had very little to do with the king. She was mainly a figurehead. She did not go to bed with the king each night and she lived in a separate apartment in the palace. Thirdly, no one could approach the king uninvited. If they did, and if the king was displeased about their being there, that person would be killed, unless the king held out his golden scepter to indicate they could approach him. This rule was strictly applied, and even the queen had to comply. Filled with dread at the enormity of the decree to kill the Jews, and of the fact that she, the young queen, might be able to prevent all the bloodshed, Esther made up her mind to approach the king uninvited, to make a request of him. It would possibly mean she might have to die in order to do what she had to do. But Esther was willing to risk her life. We'll have a little break and go on straight afterwards.
1: One day, a plain village woman driven. true
0: Before the break, I was telling you the predicament that young Queen Esther found herself in. But she was willing to risk her life. And after three days of fasting and prayer, Esther announced that she was prepared to go to the king. She said, I will go to the king even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. That's from chapter 4, verse 46. When Esther approached the king, fortunately he held out his scepter. So Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter. Then the king asked, What is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? If it pleases the king, replied Esther, let the king together with Haman come today to a banquet I have prepared for him. No doubt Esther was pleased the king accepted her offer. No doubt the king was pleased Esther had approached him with a relatively trivial relationship matter. And no doubt Haman was pleased to be invited to the banquet too. So later that day, the banquet was held with just two guests, the king and Haman. It must have been a pleasant time. The king wondered what Esther really wanted and was told that she would reveal the facts the next day if the king and Haman would come to another banquet then. Esther may not have been a wily politician, but she was clever. The king must have wondered what she wanted and probably considered all the possibilities. Probably he would have been eager to come to the banquet the next day when her request would be revealed. When that day came, after pleasantries and some food, the king asked, Queen Esther, what is your petition? It will be given you. What is your request? Then Queen Esther answered, If I have found favour with you, O king, and if it pleases your majesty, grant me my life. This is my petition, and spare my people, for I and my people have been sold to destruction and slaughter and annihilation. King Xerxes asked Queen Esther, Who is he? Who has dared to do such a thing? Esther said, The adversary and enemy Is this vile Haman? Now, that was some surprise. The king's right-hand man had planned the genocide and the king was astounded. He was so astounded that his beautiful queen would be murdered as well as many of his peaceful subjects. The announcement shocked him to his core. The king went into the garden to consider what he just heard and as he came back inside there was Haman on the couch next to the queen pleading for his life. The king mistook Haman's actions thinking he was trying to make love to the queen. From that moment on actions were very swift. Haman and all his family were hung from the gallows Haman had prepared for Mordecai. Mordecai was made prime minister in Haman's place, and a new law was proclaimed that on the day of the planned genocide the Jews could defend themselves. And because a new royal decree had been made, Various officials helped the Jews and instead of being attacked, the Jews attacked those who intended to attack them and many of the Jews' enemies were destroyed. The Jews were a peaceful people and after they defended themselves on that day known as the Pur a holiday was declared and later celebrated for hundreds of years. It was known as Purim, the Day of Deliverance. Esther was saved, her people were saved, and the kingdom settled down to peace once again. But that only happened because a young woman was willing to lay her life on the line to step out of her comfort zone. There are many other stories from both the Bible and from other sources about people who were willing to do what needed or what was needed for the good of others. I think of William Wilberforce, who agitated for legislation in England to abolish child labour as one such example. Hebrews chapter 11 gives a list of people in the past who have been faithful to God and who were willing to do what God wanted. Just think of Noah, who was willing to obey God's command and build a huge boat the ark, which was the means of saving the human race and animals during the worldwide flood. Others jeered and taunted Noah and his sons while they were building the ark. It took a 120 years, but they were faithful and were willing to put up with all those taunts because they were true to God. Just think of Abraham who was willing to leave the land of his birth and go to where God directed him. Abraham became the father of many nations and many large groups of people living today trace their ancestry back to him. Just think of Jesus, God the Son or God the Word who was willing to leave his glorious existence in heaven and come down to planet earth and be born as a baby and live as a man to reach sinful human beings in order to save them. He was scorned. He was spat on. He was opposed. He was tortured. And he was murdered that you and I might be saved. History is decorated by heroes and champions who were willing to do God's will. They put their own comfort aside for the good of others. But the point of today's program is about your willingness. Are you willing to do what God wants? Are you willing to do what God says? Some of you know what is right. That's knowledge. But are you willing to turn that knowledge into action? My friends, I encourage you to be like Queen Esther. Take the plunge and make the decision to serve God, to obey him, to give him first place in your life. It may be hard, but in the end, it will be more. It will be more than worth it. And so I leave you today with these thoughts. Think seriously what I have challenged you with, and I sincerely hope you will be willing to serve God from this time on. So, until our next appointment, I wish you joy and peace and a willingness to do what God wants.